Hi, welcome to episode 509 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and when I die, I hope I can be reincarnated as anything except a cow. I don't want to be a cow. Today is Fantastic Four 509, a.k.a., well, nothing. From now on, at least for a while, is back to the original numbering and only the original numbering. From March 2004, Hereafter Part 1 by Mark Wade and Mike We're Ringo. So We're Ringo is back after an eight-issue break. And this Hereafter storyline, where the FF tried to bring Ben Grimm back to life, is probably the most well-known of the Wade We're Ringo run. Because, well, you'll see, it's pretty wackadoodle. It begins uh, six weeks ago with the death of the thing who had a big hole shot in his chest by Reed who was trying to get at Dr. Doom who had entered Ben's body. That doesn't sound right. Dr. Doom had taken over Ben's mind. Reed's using a couple of defibrillator pads on Ben's chest. Like, what is he trying to do? Ben didn't have a heart attack. He's got a hole a huge beach ball sized hole in his chest. I don't think the defibrillator is going to work. So Reed fails and Ben dies. And the way that Weir Ringo draws its flashback, it's way more gruesome than the way Howard Porter drew it last issue. You see the big giant hole in Ben's chest and blood is just gushing out of it. It's pretty gross. After a while, Nick Fury has to tell Reed to stop. He's been trying to revive Ben for an hour. And it just ain't happening. So fast forward to a week ago. Reed is in his lab trying to devise a way to bring Ben back. He scribbled some notes on papers everywhere. And on his desk. And all over his machines. Notes everywhere. And he's exhausted and he's fallen asleep at his desk. There's a note from the government there saying that they have taken Ben's body. And have studied its unusual composition. And Reed has scribbled down some notes that says... Body loses average 25 grams at moment of death. Mass unaccounted for. First of all, I can understand if they weighed Ben after his death, but how do they know how much he weighed right before his death? Also, I'm an American. I don't know how much a gram is or how much 25 grams is, but I'm guessing that the giant hole in Ben's chest accounts for the loss of a significant amount of weight. Okay, out of curiosity, I'll Google it. And... 25 grams is 0.0551 of a pound or 0.881849 of an ounce. That's not very much weight at all. You know, when he died, Ben could have evacuated his bowels and lost more weight than that. And I'm still curious how Reed knows Ben's exact weight like that at the moment right before he died. I didn't see anyone put his broken-ass body on a scale as he was passing away. So Reed is asleep and he's having nightmares. Doom he says to himself. Another note says that the lost mass could be electrochemical energy and wonders where did the energy go? And a third note asks if the energy went transdimensional and how can he trace that? In his dream, Reed sees Dr. Doom standing in what appears to be the fires of hell taking off his mask and Reed wakes up with a jolt saying, Oh my God, that's it. So up in Fairfield, Connecticut, at Artie's Auto Repair and Supplies, Johnny is there with Ben Grimm, 
and Ben is holding up some kind of fantastic car. And why are they working at this Artie's Auto Repair Shop in Fair Fairfield, Connecticut, and not back at the Baxter Building? And since Artie's is an auto repair shop, don't they have things to lift up the car so Ben doesn't have to carry the car himself while Johnny works on it? Oh, and by the way, why is Ben alive? But on the next page, all of our questions are answered. We see that Johnny was just daydreaming. He's working on a normal car, not a Fantastic Four flying car, and the car is on a lift, and Ben isn't there. And some guy, Artie I guess, tells Johnny to quit daydreaming and get back to work on the car. I guess Johnny quit his job as the Chief Financial Officer of FF Incorporated and went to work doing oil changes at Artie's. Ugh, that's some downward mobility there. You would think that Johnny would have enough money to at least start his own auto shop, but here he is, taking orders from Artie, who seems to have a beef with the Fantastic Four, telling Johnny that the FF got was coming to them for almost starting a war. And later, Johnny is daydreaming again, where he and Ben are standing there while Artie's is burning to the ground. But in reality, Johnny's just walking down the street by himself, talking to himself, and he gets a phone call, he answers it, and it's his sister, Sue. And back in New York, at the art studio of Alicia Masters. It's been a long time since we've seen her. I've kind of forgotten about her. But she's back and really going into overtime making those thing statues. She knows a good opportunity when she sees it. You know, figuratively. She can make some serious dough on these thing statues with all the publicity from his recent death. It's kind of like me recently. I made some serious money on eBay selling a bunch of handmade bird feeders made in the shape of Prince's head. So Alicia's working on another thing statue and crying as Sue enters the room, still on the phone with Johnny, mentioning that the kids are staying at Alicia's, where she's keeping an eye on them, figuratively. Sue goes into the next room and tells Johnny that Alicia is heartbroken and can't stop making Ben statues. She also mentions that Franklin and Valeria have been steeped in grief for all these weeks. Poor Franklin. First he spends all that time in hell, and now this? That tit, that kid is totally gonna have some kind of major drug problem when he gets older. And Valeria, how can she be grief-stricken? She can't be like, only a few months old considering how slow Marvel time is. You know, how could she even know who Ben, how could she even understand what death is? We see a copy of the time of Time Magazine on the coffee table. Apparently, Alicia has a subscription to Time Magazine. How does that work? The cover has a 4 logo on it, with the no symbol, with a red circle and a line through it, and the word traitors, with a question mark. Sue goes on to tell Johnny that Reed has been working non-stop, and she's had a hard time getting through to him. Johnny asks Sue for some money, but she mentions that their assets have been frozen until all the nonsense about treason has been cleared up explaining why Johnny couldn't have his own auto shop. And this must happen before the end of last issue, when Reed made the deal to give the U.S. government all his patents. Well, if the international community was upset about the U.S. government getting all of Dr. Doom's technology, they have to be even less happy about the U.S. getting all of Reed's technology. That's still the one thing that bugs me about the last storyline. I just don't think the U.S. government would be all that upset with Reed for taking over Latveria. And taking over Latveria is far from the worst thing the FF have ever done. Opening up a portal to the negative zone and letting creatures from another dimension roam free in New York would have concerned me a lot more. And basically just having the Baxter Building in the most densely populated city in America, attracting scores of villains to attack the city, 
should cause more of an outrage. Taking over Latveria seems like peanuts compared to all the other problems that they have caused. Sue mentions that she has to go close the FF gift shop, which we saw her doing at the end of last issue, and we see Reed trying to call Sue, and he leaves a message. The message we heard at the end of last issue, where Reed mentions that the patents are being given to the US government, and now he wants to bring Ben back from the dead. Sue's eyes get wide, and she immediately calls Johnny back and tells him what Reed is up to. They rush over to FF headquarters to confront Reed. What do you mean, bringing him back? Johnny asks. Reed shows him this computer panel, showing a brainwave he's detected. Johnny asks where the brainwave is, and Reed points over and says, There, pointing at a big tank filled with green fluid and Ben's dead body floating inside. The hole in his chest seems to have cleared up some, by the way. Reed explains that he stole the body from the Army Medical Center, and he scanned the brain and found a very faint spark of life. But he can't bring him fully back to life, because Ben's consciousness, or life essence, has transmigrated to another plane of existence. Johnny figures out what Reed is saying. He's gone to heaven? He asks. Reed says, that's kind of a way to put it. He says they need to find a way to retrieve that soul. And Johnny wonders how they can get to heaven to do that. I don't know why it's so hard. They've been to hell so many times. What's the difference? But then again, I think heaven has a stricter door policy. Reed says they need a machine that can send them to the afterlife. And he's known about such a machine ever since college. And of course, Reed doesn't have to worry about it exploding in his face like it did with Dr. Doom, because Reed's face is already scarred up from issue 500. Reed notices that Sue has been very silent. He asks her what's wrong. She says that he's treating heaven like it's another negative zone. She says it's a sacred place and asks how Reed even knows it exists. He says, I don't, so I'll find out. That's what I do. That's what we do, Johnny adds. Sue still thinks it's crazy that Reed and Johnny want to try to make a trip to heaven. Johnny mentions that when he was a kid, she talked him into helping them steal a rocket ship, so they're used to crazy stuff. And then Johnny asks, what's the worst that could happen? Well, for starters, if they crash heaven, if they're like pearly gate crashers, they could be kicked out and told never to come back. Sue thinks about it, and she says, this is wrong, but she finally agrees to join up. So Johnny and Sue take Reed by the hand, and Johnny asks, so what happens now? Do we have a two o'clock with God? Do I get fitted for a harp and a halo? Your guess is as good as mine, Reed replies. And off they go, on their way to heaven. And that is the conclusion of part one of Hereafter, which may be the craziest FF story in a very long time. And crazy is always a good thing. Now I'm kind of curious, has anyone ever traveled to heaven in the Marvel Universe before? We've seen lots and lots of trips to hell, the realm of Mephisto and such, but heaven? This might be a first. Up until now it seems like actual concepts like heaven and God, you know, God-God with capital G, have been off limits. You can have Norse gods and Roman gods and Greek gods and demons and devils and Satan and hell, but the full-on Judeo-Christian God in the actual heaven I think the FF really are going where no Marvel characters have gone before. I'm not religious at all, so I'm curious what religious people think of this story. Were they excited to see that he God in heaven exists in the Marvel Universe? 
or were they turned off by God in heaven being turned into a fictional comic book interdimensional person in place? Of course, since we've seen hell so many times since the 1960s, it only stands to reason that heaven must exist as well. You know, in the Marvel Universe. So if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott, PodcastFF, and you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. I'm living